What's up, everybody? You are now tuned in to episode 87 of the Midwest Angler Podcast. Scott Sturman, Matt Deitch, and we're back at it. We're here. We are here. God dang it, it was hot today, Matt. It was really hot today, and it looks like this week is supposed to be just as hot. I think it's official that I lost the bet to my brother about the cicadas. <laughs> I had a bet with my brother for 50 bucks that uh, there's there's an old wise tale that six weeks after the cicadas start chirping or whatever, that, uh, that that's frost. supposed to be the first frost and uh, uh, swing and a miss. Yeah. So Well, you never know. This around here, you, you never know what the weather is. Yeah, that's right. I think I'm going to give my brother an IOU. There you go. I'm going to IOU him. Just go for the first snowfall now or something. Right. Those are as good as cash. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, no, we're back. Uh, you know, both of us again are uh, in studio. And uh, golly, we've actually got an interview today. And it, it's going to feel weird just interviewing somebody yeah, it's again. It's going to be nice to talk to somebody else besides you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that look that you just gave me. It's a good thing that we don't... Uh, if we, we weren't sitting we don't at have a video table, if we weren't sitting at a table i'd kick you in the nuts yeah well you can't for social distancing reasons so keep your feet away from my nuts <laughs> jesus <laughs> okay 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 well uh now we got a Bassmaster tournament that's in the books uh up on lake st Clair, up yep. in michigan that that's really a cool body of water like it really is. when you watch bass live like how blue that water was it's like they can't be in michigan they got to be in the caribbean yeah. but uh nope that was up in michigan and uh so we'll talk about that later in the show but uh before that we've got pj vick on and uh if that name sounds familiar uh if you've watched uh in-depth outdoors at all uh pj is constantly constantly on the big fish uh kind of a walleye guy he does uh, a lot of salmon fishing out on um out on Lake Michigan, uh, he was just up catching flathead catfish. Like this dude, this dude catches them. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we—it's <laughs> kind of crazy. I had actually messaged PJ quite a while ago about being on the show. He said, "Yeah." Well, then Matt went on vacation. Then we had the whole entire COVID. Uh, well, not the COVID deal, but uh, with me being potentially, uh, you know, contaminated with COVID, uh, with my wife being positive. Then we had the baby and obviously, you know, you guys who listen know that for the last few weeks, uh, we, we haven't had any guests and Hey, now finally it was like, now's our opportunity. We're going to get this guy on. And it just so happens that he's really smacking them right now. So, uh, I can't wait to get over to him. Okay. And we're here today with PJ Vic. PJ, how you doing? I'm doing great. Excellent. Well, uh, thanks for taking time out uh, to to sit and chat with me and Matt here. Uh, uh, when I scheduled this, I had no clue it was your birthday. So, uh, happy birthday, man! Yeah, happy birthday! <laughs> Thank you very much, and thanks for having me. Yeah, <laughs> uh, PJ, we always like to get our show started off with a couple of random questions, and uh, um, you know, today being your birthday, what was the birthday meal of choice today? Uh, to be honest with you, it was a New York strip and eggs oh. this morning. That, that was uh, my birthday choice. There ain't nothing wrong with that. No. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. Now, if you could have anybody in the world sing you happy birthday, who would it be? And Matt is a singer. I mean, I know that there's George mm. Strait, Reba McIntyre, but Matt over here is a singer, too. You so don't just... want to hear me sing, especially <laughs> on your birthday. That'd probably be about like me singing myself, happy birthday. You guys could have a good. duet right now. <laughs> you know, that's a really good question. I, um, Boy, I, 
I, I'm kind of stumped on that one. I, that's not uh, really in my train of thought. Who would I like to have sing me happy birthday? Well, what kind of but, music? Uh, what kind of music is your preferred type of music, PJ? I, I'm all over the place, but it's it, it's probably country more than anything. Okay. Um, but I do like rock and roll, and I, I mean, I like a lot of stuff. Um, variety is the spice of life. The same thing with my fishing. That's so, right. So maybe just <laughs> I an, like it all. An instrumental version of Happy Birthday <laughs> instead of a, somebody singing it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe a techno version. Of yeah, yeah, there we go. How about that? <laughs> right. So PJ, where is it uh, that you live? Where do you live? I live in uh, Watertown, Wisconsin, which is about halfway between Madison and Milwaukee. Okay. Um, so I, I, directly in my vicinity, there's not a ton of fishing, but it's a great jump-off point to get on the interstate and travel all over the place. I mean, I'm I'm within driving range, uh, two hours to the Bay of Green Bay, about an hour away from Lake Michigan, uh, hour from Lake Winnebago, maybe two to two and a half from mississippi so okay i do a lot of driving yeah, <laughs> yeah right so do we right <laughs> I, yep. I was actually i was actually looking at watertown uh, before we did this interview and it looks like you're mm-hmm. exactly six and a half hours straight east of us like not much you might be just a smidge south but i mean basically exactly straight east of us and uh yep yep so when I was looking at the map, I actually saw that you have a river that goes through your town called the Rock River, and we're from yep, Rock, the Rock River. We're from Rock Rapids, Iowa, and we also have a Rock River that comes through uh, our town. <laughs> right on. You know, I that that Rock River is actually about a block down the road from the house here. Oh, really? And uh, that that's pretty much where I grew up fishing as a kid. You know, riding my bike around town and catching carp and catfish and everything else so is that been a lot of time on that little river that that's like the same, same as with us, us. I mean, <laughs> it's crazy <laughs> it, it looks like it's yeah, like it, similar size and everything yeah yeah i mean there 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 there's some walleyes in there and some pike and you know you, you, you ran into random panfish and stuff but for most part it's uh bullheads catfish and carp but i'll tell you when i was a kid that that's all it took to you know, get me hooked into fishing and, you know, going out with my father and grandfather as well. I mean, I, uh, since I could walk, I was going on fishing adventures with the family, uh, my whole family. So it's been a big part of my life. Well, that's awesome. We, uh, I, I think we need to have like a battle of the rock rivers. Uh, maybe me and Matt take on, <laughs> take on one of you and your buddies and see who can, uh, Catch catch the biggest bass? Or, well, no, you didn't say bass. The biggest carp we, and we the do, biggest. We we do have smallmouth bass in there too. Do you? So yeah. do we. Well, yeah. that, that, that's an option. Yep. That sounds pretty much exactly like our Rock River. Yeah, then. it it really does. Yep, yep. And it, it's a shallow river, but yep. yeah, there, there, there's plenty of fun to be had. And I still watch the kids running around just like I was at back at their age. You know, doing the same thing. That's so. cool. You say that because we have there's like. Ever since all this stuff has been going on around the world, the river here in town, there's been tons of kids that I teach and just that we know in town that are down there every day. Some of them have like those little passenger uh, bicycles that people haul their kids around rigged up with fishing rod holders and their tackle boxes (laughs) in it. I mean, it's pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Future anglers. Oh, yeah. Something I love to see, you know. And, you know, like you were saying with all the craziness that. I think I've seen more fishermen this summer 
um, than I remember seeing a lot in the past. So if there's one good thing that's coming out of this is a lot more people are, you know, getting into the outdoors and um, enjoying, you know, what it has to offer. Right. Yeah, for sure. Have you, now, up there in Wisconsin, uh, I mean, is everything business as normal as far as fishing goes? Um, yeah, yeah, as far as fishing goes. I mean, there there was some uh, rocky stretches, especially this spring, uh, where boat launches were being closed down and, you know, too many people in a boat were an issue. And I mean, there there, there was some stuff going on, but uh, they, they didn't treat it like Michigan treated um, <laughs> right. their state. So um, that was a positive. Uh, you know, I was pretty concerned there for a while. Um, fishing is life. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> no kidding. You know, uh, it, just the thought of not being able to go had, had me a little concerned there for a while. But, I mean, it, it, it definitely seems to be back to normal as far as that goes now. Nice. Now, I was actually watching uh, earlier today, I was watching an in-depth outdoors uh, episode where you and uh, James Holst uh, did a little night trolling on the Fox River uh, early in the mm-hmm. spring. And uh, yeah. they mentioned on you on there that uh, that you're a painter, that's your profession, and that you do a yeah. little bit of painting of custom crankbaits. Uh, how much of that do you do? You know, I, it, it's more so for personal stock. You know, if I get a, a crazy idea in my head, which I do quite often, um, I, I, I go ahead and make up whatever I'm thinking about. And, you know, sometimes it, it, the colors that you think would be working real well it just aren't... Uh, uh, a factory stock color so um instead of explaining it to a custom painter get the airbrush out and you know whip something up and sometimes it's just super simple and sometimes it's a little bit more elaborate you know but uh i definitely like uh customizing my my cranks or any setup that i'm using you know just um little little tweaks to it uh can be you know what what seals the deal a lot of times so yeah, that's very cool. I don't I don't do any customizing on any of my baits. I'm uh take it out of the package and let her rip, uh but yeah, I don't know. I <laughs> I, I would I like to think that I someday I'll be a, a tinkerer and a customizer, but then no, that's that, that's just not me. <laughs> I'm just going to wreck stuff. <laughs> <laughs> right on. What kind of yeah, paint? I, I don't I don't I don't take it too far, that's for sure, but it, if if there's something that I'm thinking of and I'll, I'll go ahead and try it. And I mean, just like uh, that show you talked about, uh, it was just a, a kind of a stupid lime green crank. And I'll tell you what, we tried everything that night. There was a big cold front going on and uh, we put that out. It started catching fish before, you know, it, we had six of them out there and uh, we were able to, you know, catch a bunch of fish and make a good show. So yeah, no, it, James, sometimes it's a difference. Yeah. James kind of made it sound like he had, uh, sent a couple calls and texts out to a bunch of other people and no one was game to go fishing. And so he's like, well, I knew PJ would go. And <laughs> next thing you know, you two are in the boat and it's snowing and just a mess. Oh yeah. Yeah. It, it, it was a pretty crazy weather front going on there and it, it wasn't just Wisconsin. That one affected the entire Midwest and it was nasty. Um, but that, what, what better place to go than the Fox river in the spring? I mean, they're, there's always a lot of fish to be had there, and uh, if you're persistent, you're, you you should figure them out, you know, in, in that river at that time of year. And there was there was definitely plenty of fish to be had. What was what was the biggest one you caught out of there this spring? Uh, 
you know, this spring I didn't even spend much time over there. I spent a lot more time in the uh, Peshtigo and Menominee rivers. But uh, 30-inch fish um, had quite a few, you know, in the 27 to 29-inch range, which is uh, pretty pretty typical. Um, uh, we, we timed the uh, Peshtigo run really well where we had some days where I had, you know, maybe a dozen of them in that 27 to 30-inch range. Wow. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's just some great river runs that happen over there on the Bay of Green Bay. And even uh, shoreline spawning runs, too. Um, we did some night trolling uh, in the Sturgeon Bay area and came up with some really big fish uh, around Easter, um, night trolling over there. Just so many different uh, spots and runs to fish on, on just that one body of water that, you know, you don't even make it to all of them in a year usually. You just kind of pick and choose and um, being the I like to keep it a little fresh and a little new each year. I kind of choose different areas and different bites to focus on for that spring. And, you know, uh, next year I might get back to the Fox a little bit more and go do that again. Definitely an awesome run. I mean, the, the numbers of fish that you can put in a boat is hard to match anywhere else in the country. I mean, some nights, 70, 100, 120 walleyes in the night. Wow. Um, I don't know if I've caught 120 walleyes in my life. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be flat out honest. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I tell you, they, they, in a lot of them rivers, they definitely stack like cordwood if you time it right. Yeah, I I have wild, I have wild fantasies about, oh, sorry, sorry. (laughs) It's okay. <laughs> it, that river is the first one to start to uh, over here um, in Wisconsin. That's probably about the earliest run. So uh, that that catches a lot of people uh, uh, people's attention because everybody's just chomping at the bit to get out after yeah. walleyes, and you know those ones show up uh, already by the end of February a lot of times. So uh, beginning of March, and it's time to go. So. And now, is like, what is the season? Is there a sea, open season, closed season in Wisconsin on walleyes? Um, yes, there there is, but not not on the Great Lakes. So what what the limits are, it, and it's different all over the place. But uh, in um, the Fox River, in particular, at that time, it's only one fish over twenty eight. Um, but it's open now okay. out on the bay itself. Um. I believe it's three fish uh, at 15. Don't qu- nope, nope. I'm wrong on that. It's still one fish, but it's over 15, so not over 28. And pretty much all the rivers around Green Bay are the same thing. One fish over 15. Um, we're not uh, out for eater fish at that right, time. We're definitely right, right. going after big trophies, and you know they they get their picture taken and put back. Uh, yeah, but, for sure. Um, yep. Yeah. What's your and, personal uh, best walleye? Thirty-two and a half. Woo! Um, and, yeah, and that was a Green Bay walleye, and uh, I actually caught a, a thirty-two and the one that was just over thirty-two in the same night. Probably one of the better <laughs> nights of walleye fishing that I've ever had. Oh, yeah, I'd say so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that was uh, in a un, you know a, a low pressure area way up in the northern end of uh, the Bay of Green Bay, and uh, we timed the bite just perfect and uh i don't know it was something like uh 15 fish over 28 that night i mean it was just a a phenomenal night um 
rough water, so we had that whole part of the story, you know. Oh, yeah. So we ended up getting stuck inside of a little cove for a while, uh, waiting on the waves to subside. And by the time we got fishing, I think it was about midnight or 1 o'clock in the morning. But from then till the sun come up, it was outstanding. Wow. <laughs> and not another boat in sight. So there, there's still some really cool bites out there that 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 aren't over pressured i mean that's such a big body of water and there's all kinds of different hiding spots for those fish from the very north end all the way down you know that's crazy what's what's the craziest what's the craziest story you got on on big water you know big waves you ever had any super sketchy situations oh absolutely I, i i think the one that that i uh uh that sticks out the most in my mind uh, I was actually pretty young, probably nine or ten years old, on Lake Michigan, uh, out with my father and grandfather, and they—I'm kind of a spitting image of them. They—they they go hard, and uh, don't necessarily know when to make the call at the right time. I get better at it now, but back then, you know, they were—it um, was getting pretty rough, probably four or five footers, and you know. They're, they were sticking it out. We had a storm rolling in, and uh, instead of making the call while we were looking at that storm coming in, we thought it'd be okay. And uh, by the time it got to us, I would say the the waves were nine to ten foot, and we we're in an eighteen and a half foot lund. Um, and uh, we obviously we picked everything up when it started getting that rowdy and uh, made our way into shore but we were about seven miles offshore when that happened and we literally had waves crashing right over the top of the boat uh everything in the boat floating uh my father was driving the boat from the floor uh so we didn't get swept out every every one of us was sitting on the floor and on our way in a charter boat uh, seen us and actually kind of ghosted us and went went along slow behind us in a big 30-some footer to make sure we made it in. And we did. We made it in. Um, probably one of the biggest lessons I, I learned about respecting the Great Lakes and Big Water right, was at that time, you know, at a young age. Um, and, and sometimes you still get caught with your pants down a little bit, but uh, if I see something coming and and it's already in that three, four foot range, five foot range, I'm out of there. Yeah. <laughs> there's no fish worth my life. Um, there, there's a fine line, you know, that, 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 that somewhat rough water usually means really good fishing, but if it gets too crazy, it, it's time to go. Yeah. That was a, that was a pretty insane experience to have. Um, definitely was fearing for my life at that time. Well, especially as a nine-year-old, nine <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. You're yeah. yelling at your dad the whole entire way in. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, I mean, towards the end, I was like, "Yeah, I think we should get out of here now." You know, <laughs> it, it doesn't look good. And I, I do remember we. I mean, that was back in uh, what I would call the heydays of salmon fishing out there, and we were smacking them. Um, Chinooks are a lot like uh, uh, muskies, where. Uh, you know, approaching frontal systems and, and pressure changes kind of trigger a pretty pretty chaotic bite window, and uh, that's definitely what was going on. <laughs> and uh, that 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 played a role in, in uh, 
the decision making skills there. So. Well, never leave a heater. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. That was a that was an interesting time. I mean there there's been some other ones, uh but uh I don't think anything that matched that one for mm. sure. Yeah. Well now you know, Scott mentioned watching the in depth outdoors episode. How did you get hooked up with an in depth outdoors? You know, I got hooked up uh through actually through Dave Koontz. I met Dave Koontz uh, because I love fishing, ice fishing on the Mississippi, especially on the Mississippi River, and he lives over there in Prairie du Chien. Um, and I met up with him, and I, I started fishing with him a bit. And uh, uh, he, he had thought that maybe I, I would be a good fit for the team, uh, set up a meeting um with uh james and we actually ended up going on a little bit of a fishing vacation together to get to know each other uh he took me up to isle royale which was absolutely awesome i I caught some of the biggest lake trout i think i've ever caught in my life i had one that we thought was about 35 pounds the one day i mean and it's just (laughs) it was an incredible trip um and you know after that we started keeping in touch and you know, he said, would you be interested in doing some shows? And I said, yeah, that, that would, that's kind of been the, uh, the dream of my life to do something like that. So I, I would definitely be interested. And uh, ever since then, I, I, uh, been running around with them guys and trying to find as many shows as I can. Well, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. What was the what was it like the first time that say you were walking into a gas station or a restaurant or whatever and you had somebody like, "Hey, I think I watched you on TV." Have you you've obviously <laughs> had those experiences, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it it's still a little bit strange because you know, uh, I I'm just a normal guy. I'm a normal working guy, you know, and it, it just to be looked at that way is a little funny to me. Um, but you know, I, I really appreciate, um, everybody and the, you know, the support I've gotten over it and, and all the, you know, positive, uh, vibes from everybody. I mean, I, I really haven't had, um, any sort of negative experience through all of this. I mean, everybody's been really cool and I, you know, I love talking fish and I love sharing my experiences, whatever knowledge I pick up along the way. So, I mean, this is this has been a perfect fit for me. I've really enjoyed it. Do you like watching yourself on TV? No, no, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> and I don't know anybody that does. I was going to say that's usually this, to be honest with you. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's got to be like listening to yourself on a podcast. Like, you know, I I try to listen every once in a while to our shows or whatever, and. I don't know. I think we sound stupid and and whatever, but I I don't know. You know, I just I think you know you're always your biggest critic, and and yeah, you you experience it just like Matt and I. So, it, absolutely. I mean, uh, I I would rather I you know I don't, I have watched them, and, and, and what what I what I think you start doing is you start critiquing yourself. And then all of a sudden you're, you're, oh, I better change that. That wasn't right. Right. I rather just go with the flow, be me, do me, you know, and, and what it is, is, is what it ends up to be. I, I'm good with that. You know, just, uh, try to keep it as natural as I possibly can. And, and, uh, if, if people like it, that's great. If they don't, well, that's kind of who I am. 
So and, that, and that's <laughs> just going it. With yep. that, I mean, if they, <laughs> if they don't like you, well, piss on them. I guess you know. <laughs> it's their opinion. It's their opinion. Yeah, yeah. Just, just trying to keep it, uh, keep it as real and honest as I can. You know. Yep. I'm not not there to be an actor. Um, just there to catch fish, have fun, and you know, just get, promote the sport to my best, to the best of my ability. Yep. And that's all I can do. Now, are you, are you and uh, Quam gonna have a beard growing competition? <laughs> I wouldn't even stand a chance. <laughs> I wouldn't even stand a chance. Yeah. yeah, he 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 always rocks a pretty good one. I'll give him that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that uh, that is an epic beard for sure. <laughs> uh. <laughs> now, looking back yeah. at all the shows you've done, which one would you say is your favorite? What what was your favorite experience? You know, I I think my my favorite it, as far as a, a bite was probably the Mississippi River perch. Um, Mississippi River is something that I mean that I can feel that in my heart and soul. I, I've spent so much time out there uh, trompsing on the backwaters, find, trying to find bites. So that one was really special to me that uh, Dave and I were able to go out there and find those fish. Um, and they were they were large. They were definitely large fish and big numbers of them. I mean, I I think I caught one that was almost fifteen and a half on that show. Um, that'll do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'll. <laughs> and, and just the build of a, a Mississippi River perch, it, it, it's a lot like uh, the Prairie Lakes out in the Dakotas. You know, it just it's so full of uh, forage. It they just grow big and fat out there. So. It, that was probably one of the more special ones to me, um, just being where it was and how much history I have on that body of water. Yeah. Are you more of an ice fisherman or more of an open water guy? I, I'm i kind of a freak that way. I absolutely love ice fishing. Yeah. I, I love the cold. I, that, 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 I, don't get me wrong, I like open water fishing. Um, summer a lot of time means more work to me uh you know being a union painter i spend a lot of time working and i get out on the weekends and 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 that's about it um i love spring fishing you know for big pre-spawn fish and whatnot but it's ice is definitely where it's at for me i just love i love the adventure of ice fishing you know the the brutal conditions and and less people and just uh I, i i feel like some of these big waters it's just like a clean slate you go out there and nobody's been there you're you're out there exploring trying to find uh hidden gems that haven't been found it's just it's a whole different feel to me yeah and you know now it's even though it's like really hot out today and supposed to be this week but you talk about ice fishing being your favorite are there any products that are coming out a lot of the companies are starting to release their stuff that you're pretty excited about for this winter yeah, you know, uh, one of the main ones is uh, Strike Master augers. They came out with a, a, a smaller version of electric auger, which uh, is going to be awesome for for a guy like me, uh, just being more mobile. You know, a real nice lightweight. I, I don't quote me on the weights. I think it was something like eleven point six pounds or something like that uh, for the for the whole rig. Um, but that one, 
excites me. That that electric auger, uh, I, I mean, not having to fiddle with gas anymore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. that, that, that's definitely a big deal uh, to, to me, not having to bring all that stuff. I, a lot of the fishing I do, um, it's all about being super mobile. Um, I'm, I'm not necessarily the guy that brings out the kitchen sink. You know, I, I bring what I need, uh, move a lot, travel a lot. So I, that one's going to fit really well in my arsenal. Nice. Mm-hmm. Now, if you were yeah. to call yourself a specialist in, in one species or, or one fishing uh, technique, what would that be? Hmm. You know, that's a good question. I, I, I guess I, I, I spent more time, I would say, fishing walleyes uh, through the ice and open water, probably more so than anything. I, I would definitely say that. Uh, and, you know, as far as technique goes, uh, I really... I didn't do it all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just depends on what they're biting, uh, the time of year, and, and whatever else, I suppose, absolutely. right? Absolutely. It, it, absolutely. I, the way I've always looked at it is if you, if you kind of put yourself in a box, like I'm a jig fisherman or I'm a troll. Hold on, PJ. I think we lost you there. Okay. Can you hear me now? Yep. Yeah, yep. We got You're you. back. Okay. You had, okay. you had said something like, if you put yourself in a box that I'm a troller yep. or I'm a jig fisherman. Yep. Yep. If you put yourself into that box that, you know, overall, you're, you're, you're going to be less successful. You know, there, there's always a preference, you know, from day to day, what the fish want, uh, what the situation calls for and, and uh you know whether it be uh jigging trolling um you know uh hand lining even or any any one of the uh presentations you, to me you got to pick the best one for that day in that situation and, and uh figure out what's going to put the most fish in the boat so I, I'm definitely not one of those guys that, that's against any one uh, presentation or tactic. I, whatever it takes to put the most fish in the boat, I'm I'm in. Yeah, <laughs> well, exactly. I, I mean, I think that's the most successful fishermen there are are the guys that are open to doing whatever it takes. And you know, um, obviously, uh, with your track record, you're willing to do that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, and not only that, but it keeps. It keeps it new. It keeps it fresh, um, and that's important to me. I I, I constantly want to be learning. I want to be doing something different. Um, uh, anybody that follows me uh, usually will realize that I, for a while I'm over on this species or I'm on this type of body of water, then I go and do something different. Uh, that, that's kind of the draw to me it, it is always having – a, a goal, a, a new goal to set, a new goal to accomplish, mixing it up, keeping it different, not doing the same thing over and over. Um, and, and I really like that challenge from from switching uh, from one species to another species, uh, from one body in a water to another body of water, you know, just always keeping it fresh. Yeah. And uh, I, I feel like but I, I learn a lot more by doing that, you know. All right. 
and granted there there's plenty of failure with that too oh yeah plenty of failure but um that failure is the learning you know right I, I, i i always take something you know whether it was a successful trip or not so successful trip you always walk away with something that you didn't know when in the last two weeks uh anyone who follows you on social media has been seeing that you have been catching some absolute monsters uh i think it was like eight days ago you were out catfishing and Mm -hmm. catching absolute studs uh where where were you doing that at Oh, uh, we were up on the Mississippi River, and I actually went out with uh, our cameraman, Jacob Halls. Um, and if anybody knows Jacob Halls, uh, he runs uh, Northwoods Angling YouTube page, uh, and they are uh, pretty much big fish fishermen. You know, uh, whether it be sturgeon, gar, uh, blue cats, uh, and uh, you know, channel cats, flatheads. So he's all about the big fish, and I I love hooking up with him. Jacob's a great guy, and uh, he he's always down for the grind, and and that's what it takes a lot of times when you're when you're um, fishing for species like that. You know, <clears throat> it's a lot of time spent on the water, a lot of getting after it. You know, long days, and and that's what we did. But we jumped around uh, up on the Mississippi River, found some great log jams. Um, you know, we're using cut bait bluegills and live bluegills and bullheads for bait and, uh, you know, give each spot, I'd say, 20 minutes or so, and then we'd move on to the next one. And uh, we, we, we fished a lot of log jams over the course of two days, uh, but we come up with some excellent fish. I, that, that biggest one that I had was just under 40 inches. Don't really know how many pounds, but definitely mid to upper 30s i would say um maybe close to 40 who knows but a a very big catfish (laughs) right it was like setting the hook into a cinder block (laughs) so So is what you're doing you just go upstream of that log jam and you kind of drift your bait back towards it and you try to lure them out of that log jam am i am i understanding that correctly or yeah yeah you're you're definitely on the on the right page there you know we we uh put the, the nose of the boat into the current, anchor up above the log jams, uh, four and five ounce uh, river weights, and uh, you, you just cast it, it, it as close as you can. We tried to get it within, you know, uh, 10 to 15 feet without getting right in it and, you know, getting all caught up and everything. And, you know, with the, with the catfish, great sense of smell, they, they will seek out whatever you cast upstream of them, you know, if, they, if they're willing to feed. So uh, a lot of them fish, the biggest ones, I, I bet you they came within the first three minutes of us getting there. You know, really? you drop yeah. the anchor, put your lines out, everything's set, boom, there goes the rod. So that was the case for the majority of the fish we caught. And I think we, we put eight or nine of them in the boat um, over – a, a couple full days of, of fishing lost and missed some caught some big channel cats that were bonus fish um but uh yeah that was definitely the case uh both days were it, it was going to be the first you know a few minutes or 15 minutes of uh, of a stop where, where you get the fish and usually once you catch one it's time to move on right. you know they're really? they're they're uh, very similar to muskies that way, kind of apex predators, and they're they're 
territorial, you know, and, uh, where, where, where there was one big one that was, he was probably ruling that roost. So, you know, we, we did stick around and see if we could get anything after some of those fish. And, uh, it, it was definitely keep it fresh, keep moving and, and find a new fish, uh, pretty much each spot that we went to. So, no, I'm no expert cat fisherman, but I'm really surprised with, uh, you know, wait 20, 30 minutes and then up and going, you know, I don't know, in my mind, I just figure that you anchor up and you pick your best spot and you, you know, settle in for the evening. And so that's really interesting to me that you, you guys stay that mobile doing that type of fishing. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and there is, there is guys, you know, that, that, that will just post up on a really good spot because, uh, it, just like anything new new fish will filter in there you know right. uh, like uh we revisited some of the same spots uh you know and, and, and new fish will show up in it but uh to me for the best action it was it was definitely all about the mobility and fish as many gams as we possibly could and uh that that i think that helped us put more fish in the boat for sure do you ever feel like you've gone back to the exact same spot and caught the exact same fish? <laughs> I, I personally haven't, but Jake had a story where he caught the same exact fish three times, three weeks in a row. Wow. Um, and, and he knew that because it had a, a, a spawning scar on it that was kind of unique where, where he could tell it was that same exact fish. So that was, that was pretty interesting. I mean, they, they definitely uh, are that type of fish where a lot of times that jam is their home, you know, yeah, right. um, and they don't, they don't travel too far from there. So, um, you know, if you uh, catch a big one and put it back there, there's a great chance someplace down the road, you're going to catch that same fish. Well, that's cool. That's very cool. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Now, also uh, on the social media post, uh, and the reason that I really thought, man, we got to get this guy on, uh, was the some of the salmon fishing that you've been doing. Uh, tell us where you've been doing some of that salmon fishing, and, and I guess we'll kind of talk about uh, how you're catching some of those. I mean, you know, obviously mm-hmm. you don't need to give up all your juice, but... Uh, you know, that's, yeah. that's something me and Matt being here from Iowa and a lot of our listeners being over here, uh, far away from the great lakes, uh, you know, that's, it's like Spanish to us, you know, it's nothing that we really know <laughs> nothing a whole lot about. So. Yeah, it, it's definitely kind of unique to this area, you know, the great lakes fishing. And, uh, I, I've been spending a lot of time, uh, pretty, pretty much just, uh, east, straight east of here, anywhere from, uh, Port Washington port. Milwaukee Port, Racine, Kenosha, um, that, that's kind of the, what I would call the home turf, I guess, you know, it's all within an hour, hour and a half from, from the house here, and, uh, you know, right now, I, earlier in the summer, we, we actually went out and filmed a show that, uh, you'll be able to see at some point during this next show season, um, where we went trolling for kings specifically kings and we got we got some toads on that one too it was a definitely a good time uh it was a lot like what i was talking about earlier we had a bunch of uh, storm systems rolling through that day um and every time one of those systems were approaching you would you would kind of watch the bike just spike and they would go nuts for a while so we had really good all-day action um we we caught some fish, I believe up to 25 pounds was the biggest one that day. 
um, which I mean, just crazy fighting, <laughs> right? <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> insane. Um, but now lately, uh, j- just in the last week or so, you know, the, all, all the fish are getting ready uh, to to make their annual spawning runs, so they're moving in shallow um, and, and staging just out in front of the the uh, the harbor mouths and the river mouths that they're going to run up and uh, uh just yesterday i was out with my good buddy connor bowen and uh we were fishing uh down south in one of the southern harbors and uh we absolutely clobbered the four-year-olds uh i i think we made 10 of them into the boat um had well over twice as many on a uh, lot a lot of times I, that that's the nature of the beast a lot of fish get off um they're absolute savages <laughs> right i mean uh when you when you hook up with these fish uh, uh j- just yesterday in particular they took anywhere from 200 to 600 foot runs after the hook <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> how, you, how you much swear, line do you have you, how much line do you have I, on I, I think we had over, it was like a, a thousand yards on them bigger spools oh, or, or a thousand feet on those bigger spools. Uh, so you, you definitely have enough line uh, to deal with it. Uh, but at some point in time, you, you, you swear that that reel is going to start smoking. Those <laughs> are going so fast. <laughs> uh, it, and yesterday's bite, uh, and, and this isn't very typical, um, to early season fishing, but we were running Rapalas, uh, J11s and J13s um, on lead core line, uh, which crankbaits are kind of uh, unique to this time of year when the fish start coming in shallow and coming in the harbors. Uh, that'll that'll be a pattern um, from now all the way into the end of September or so, uh, where you control around the harbor mouse and in the harbors uh, with big crankbaits uh, typically and color patterns like fire tiger orange real bright real bright patterns and that that seems to be what they what they like at this time of year um now you're talking shallow water like how i mean i i know i I don't want you to give up all your secrets but i mean for for us that have never been out here like how shallow are you talking like i mean i I know that there's times when you guys will fish way way deep like deeper than water i've ever seen in my life and and, you know, yeah, sometimes so, it's two to three hundred feet of water. Um, right. you know, earlier in the year, and what what we were fishing yesterday was actually uh, twenty five to thirty five feet of water. Okay, so yeah. that that w- that would be what we consider shallow water on on the, on these bites for sure. Okay, um, and, and inside the harbors, you know, sometimes you'll you'll get them as shallow as 15 feet of water you know it, um when they're staging inside of there but that that that's about as shallow as you have to work with um and it, it, like you're talking about uh that that 203 foot 100 foot of water way out deep um i i think it's important to mention that the kings uh the, the reason they move from shallow to deep or uh, you know 100 to 300 foot it's all about their locations, all about water temperature. Um, they're seeking out water that's in the 45 to 55 degree range. So wherever the wind and the currents move their, you know, their, their water, that, 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 uh, sweet zone for them, that's where they move to. So 
say if we have strong offshore west winds, that'll blow that warmer surface water out, allow cooler water to rise from the bottom. And sometimes even in uh, July and August, fish will be in, you know, 70, 80, 90 feet of water, which is pretty shallow at that time of year. But if we have a lot of east winds, uh, north northeast winds, southeast winds, that brings in more warm water and pushes that cooler water and those fish out further into the lake. Um, we're kind of lucky this year that we have, you know, a lot of favorable winds. And uh, even in July and August, uh, I probably spent the most time in 90 to 150 feet of water. Um, I... I don't. I don't know that I ever made it to 200 or, or or anything outside of that this year. The Kings were always in relatively close, which is which is great for us. You know, there, there's a lot less to worry about um, being, well, you know, one, two, three miles offshore than six, seven, eight, nine miles offshore. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you know, a lot of times we're we're running. You know. Uh, smaller boats 17 18 19 20 foot boats uh so it's important to watch the weather and go on the right days but uh when they're closer to shore it makes a lot easier on us for sure now now how important are your electronics i mean do you spend a lot of time before you're actually putting baits in the water seeking out where these fish might be because like you said you know depending on the wind and whatever i mean it sounds like these fish can really change where they're at pretty fast. Yeah, they do, and and we 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 definitely run around a lot with the the electronics. And one of the main things, uh, I mean, our, our day starts really early salmon fishing typically in the summer. I mean, I get up at the house here about two o'clock. I'm getting to the launch, you know, three thirty, four o'clock. Uh, and we're out there before daylight breaks, and we'll run around. And we'll look for bait fish, pods of bait fish, and see if we can find some hooks around them. Um, and, and that's kind of how we depict where we're gonna where we're gonna set up for that morning. And then after that, it's it's all about covering a lot of water. You know, trying to figure out where that colder water is, how far down it is that day. Um, on average, this year it was. Uh, kind of probably about forty to seventy feet down was our was our target zone, and that that's pretty typical from year to year. Is that that seems to be the area that that thermocline sets up, and those fish will position themselves right below that thermocline, and the bait fish will be above it uh, in that warmer water, and they just kind of break out of that colder water up into the warm water and uh, feed on alewives. That's the the main forage base out there. So do you see these fish, like when you're trolling, is it like, oh, yep, here it is, and, and you know, kind of give it 20 seconds and boom, all of a sudden a rod goes, or is it a little I bit mean, more we, sporadic? We, we do see them, um, and we did have that a few times where we could see the fish coming up and checking out our uh, our, our dipsy diver rods, um, which is kind of a, a, a side diver that we use um, other than the uh, downriggers and some of the other methods we use to get the baits down. So where we could actually see the fish coming up and checking out that lure. And we did have a few times where we watched the fish actually come buzzing up to it and crack it. Um, that That's definitely uh, not the norm. You, you know, you're, you're looking to put yourself in an area where you're marking the, the most fish, you know, and, and just kind of 
targeting the the depth zones that you're seeing them or putting the the baits just above where you're seeing them because uh you know like a lot of predator fish they feed up um so you know putting it uh, 5 10 15 feet above them they'll as clear as the water in lake michigan is they'll even come up 20 30 feet a lot of times to get a bait um so that, that that's kind of the way that 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 we're doing it um it, it's not necessarily i see that fish i'm going to catch that fish it's just about putting yourself in an area where uh, you know that there's plenty of cool water around and there's a bunch of fish in the area and uh you you'll find on your trolling passes that uh there'll be little hot zones uh, where you know whether it's uh, a cold water pocket that's kind of trapped in an area you know, and, and, and we set set down waypoints on every hit we get and usually spin right around on those fish. You know, if you've got a hot pot of fish going, you, you spend as much time in that area as you can and catch as many of them before they move as you can. Um, and uh, another thing that, that's worth noting is direction out there, the direction in which you troll makes a huge difference every day the, the currents in lake michigan are you know strong uh, and pretty unpredictable and if you're going a certain direction and not getting bit make sure you you check each and every direction because each day there'll there'll, there'll be a favorable direction where you want to run this way and that's the way they're biting you go the other direction you might not catch a fish all day <laughs> really <laughs> so, and last night was no different uh you know, we caught uh, almost all of our fish going north with south wind. And going south, we caught one fish. And I think we had two hits total. So after a while, we actually just started, you know, picking our lines up like we would walleye trolling on structure or something and running back to the beginning and making a, another north run because uh, that was the direction they preferred that day. Um, wow. and it, so there's a there's a lot of fine details to pay attention to out there for sure um to to kind of hone in on uh what the fish are up to that day but uh now what what kind of all sa- fun what kind of salmon do you all have there uh we have chinook salmon and coho salmon that them are them are the two main and then uh we got lake trout uh brown trout and, and rainbows so them are the 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 main species on lake michigan so what is a king so king salmon is a chinook salmon um Just, which, uh, what's that the male is, is the king the male version of the chinook is that what that is or? no no no, no. Okay. A, a king a king salmon or a chinook salmon is a species all uh, onto its own um okay. and they were first introduced in the Lake Michigan way back in 1966. And uh, the reason they were introduced into there um, was uh, alewives. Alewives, they, they were uh, just overwhelmingly plentiful in the lake. And each year they'd have mass die-offs. And uh, I, I remember this even yet when I was a kid where they would all float up to the shore and you could literally get within a couple miles of Lake Michigan and already smell rotting alewives. Oh, wow. So <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> they, so the salmon released just to control 
that that population and and it kind of went from there um now there was a bit of a scare uh just here a few years ago where they they cut down the stocking efforts on chinooks to the lowest it's been since their introduction um and that's kind of where we're at right now with a lower density population um, but just like any any other species where there's a low density population with a high forage base, those fish tend to grow bigger, you know, the, the biggest that that species is allowed to grow. Um, and I mean, so it's kind of a double-edged sword. We're, we're not catching as many as we used to catch, uh, but they're growing way bigger. Now, just last year, 2019, they increased the stocking efforts again. They it, it, the reason they had lowered it is because the, the fish had actually eaten um, the alewives down to kind of a what they call the dangerously low level, um, where they didn't know that uh, the, the forage could support the, the school of fish that was in you know uh, in Lake Michigan, which is uh, exactly what happened in Lake Huron uh, years back, and they, they, the entire population actually crashed. Um, it, it, it was. They, they ate themselves out of food, they starved to death and died. So that, that's what they were concerned about. They, they cut that stocking way back. But now things are getting back to normal. 2019, I believe they stocked 1.2 million uh, Chinook salmon on the Wisconsin side. And they're going to continue to do so through year 2023. So we've got some awesome salmon fishing coming our way uh kind of like what i remember it back in the day where um if if you went out you were you were typically catching limits if you knew what you're doing and i i think that's where we're headed again with that kind of stocking numbers so i'm excited definitely excited about the future now do most people that are out salmon fishing is that uh are they harvesting or or is that a lot more catch and release it it is it, it it's a a put and take fishery for sure. Everybody's harvesting fish. Um, the majority of these fish do not naturally produce, uh, especially in Wisconsin. I mean, there's some natural reproduction that takes place up in uh, like the northeast part of Lake Michigan, up in northern Michigan, the UP, where they have some real clean natural rivers and streams left. But uh, you know, in our, our neck of the woods. Uh, siltation has kind of done its damage on, on our small rivers and stuff where a, a lot of that uh, good clean rock is all silted in so they they don't naturally produce you know they're, they they stock them after, especially with the salmon after four years they come in and uh, they, they still lay their eggs but they don't they just don't uh, uh, turn into anything and then the fish die so um, it, it doesn't hurt at all to be taking these fish because the, the, the end result is they're going to die right. anyways. So. And, and I heard you mention that earlier when you were talking about you and your buddy yesterday fishing up close to the mm-hmm. harbors that they were four-year-olds. How, how do you tell that? Uh, it, it's kind of about size. Um, okay. And also at this time of year, uh, the, the, those fish will start turning dark and kind of getting their spawning colors uh uh, the kipe on the males, which is the jaw, uh, will will start getting a big hook to it. Kind of on that picture I sent you, that that had a long jaw on it. That that's yeah. the kipe, and that that's kind of a the the um, what happens during the spawning run. 
and it, it, the further we go here into September and in October, that'll get even more pronounced and a longer hook on it. So that, that's how you tell to, is just generally on size. I mean, and, and and there's a pretty big range there from year to year. I mean, a, a four-year-old king can be anywhere from 16 pounds all the way up to, you know, upper 30 pounds. Or even last year, there was a few 40-pound fish caught. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, just some absolute monsters. Most of them were caught over on the Michigan shore, kind of up in the northern reaches of Lake Michigan. But uh, they're out there that big right now. So no matter what, a four-year-old fish is going to die. Yes. Uh, it, I, I can't say no matter what either, though. Uh, I, this is kind of a funny story. We uh, we fished uh, Salmonorama, which is a, a, a big Chinook salmon tournament here uh, that's kind of statewide that happens, uh, uh, I believe it's the um, beginning of August. And uh, we, we were lucky enough to boat a, a, a fish that was just under 31 pounds last year. So we took that to the scales, got it weighed, and we actually spoke to uh, a fisheries biologist that took the weights and kind of looked over the fish. And they had told me that they were finding some fish that were actually going until a fifth year before they were dying. And uh, the explanation I was given was that with the low numbers and the the high forage numbers, you know, plenty of food for them that they were actually making it an extra year before they would hit the spawning cycle, which was interesting. Yeah. And, and that is definitely not the case, you know, in most fish, but they're, that was kind of the, the, their uh, thinking as to why some of these giant freaks in nature were showing up that, that, that some of them were actually living till fifth year before they, um, went on the spawning run and died well that's pretty crazy which was yeah it was interesting to me definitely interesting i you know i had never heard that um in all the years that i've salmon fished over here so it was it was kind of cool to to hear their 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 studies and point of view on it so so if there's somebody that's listening that's you know really has salmon on their bucket list now's the mm -hmm. time to be getting out there right absolutely i mean this is right now is probably the biggest numbers bite window uh, of the season and the cool thing about this is even uh, shore anglers can take advantage of it here within the next week or so um and that will last all the way through uh you know the first week of october where uh you, you can uh, throw jigging spoons for them off the pier heads uh couple of the favorite ones are uh, cast champs uh, in three-quarter ounce, uh, crocodile spoons um, in five-eighth to an ounce and a half, you know, or uh, when they move in um, and they've been in there for a while, a lot of it will turn into uh, skein fishing, which skein is just uh, uh, the, the membrane or the eggs with the membrane that holds them together and you put them in a, in a cure and you actually fish them under a bobber. Um, huh. so bobber fishing for giant king salmon. <laughs> One second you've got a bobber and the next second you do not. <laughs> There's no right. playing around like, right. Oh, do I got a bite? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, it's a phenomenal bite. So that, that's definitely one thing that's neat about this time of year is anybody that's interested in doing it, um, 
you, you don't need a big boat. You don't need a lot of fancy gear. Um, you, you can come out and catch those big fish, you know, right, right in shore like that. So, huh. But, uh, do you yeah. have any guides that you recommend? Do you do any guiding yourself? Uh, you know, I, I don't do any guiding. I, I, I definitely do have guides to recommend. Uh, the, the, what, one of the younger guys that I fish with a lot, his name is Connor Bowen. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Um, but he, he, uh, he's guiding over here and he, he's definitely good, really good at this shore bite and inshore bite that, that's coming around. Um, and that, I don't know, you meet people along the way that are just really passionate about angling and kind of, you know, hammers where, where they just go hard and they figure it out. And Connor's definitely one of those guys and I enjoy fishing with him. And I know he, he, he works hard to put, put his guys on fish. So it, mm. that's definitely what would be one of my top picks at this time of year. Uh, my buddy Caleb Zorn is another one of them. Um, he's down in the Racine Kenosha area, um, you know, kind of a grew up around the harbor, you know, down in Kenosha, and he, he's been involved in salmon fishing since he was a little kid. Does a, does a lot of guiding down that area. He's a really good, good talented fisherman. Awesome. Uh, before we let you go, PJ, uh, what what's the plans for the rest of the fall? Uh, do you got any ice fishing plans for this winter uh what what can we expect out of you yeah definitely got some i i mean some great plans for ice fishing this year you know it, it, definitely going to head back to the great lakes that that's kind of one of my favorite uh bites is uh you know uh saginaw bay bay green bay um hoping and praying lake erie freezes i'd love to get back over there and do that again um, also I'll be, you know, spending time on the Mississippi river and, uh, got some stuff up my sleeve for over in North Dakota on the, the, the prairie pothole lakes too. So that's nice. kind of a, a small part of my agenda. I always plan for even more than that, but you know, <laughs> so <laughs> I, I've got a long list of things I want to do this winter. Are you, are you much of a planner or do you hear about a bite and you go and you chase that bite? No. I, I, I am a planner. I mean, a lot of times the, the, the stuff that I do uh, on the show, I, I I have a planned out the year before. Um, it's more so about watching the conditions um, and, and how the bite is progressing and the timing of the bite, you know, being there at the right time. Uh, that's, that's probably um, one of the trickiest parts about it all you know when, right. you're, when you're traveling long distances like that um i i'm watching everything really closely before i uh before i head over there as far as you know whether it be usually on the great lakes it's, you're watching first ice the first safe ice that you can get out to an area you know that's typically going to be your best window to be there but uh you know constantly watching conditions all over the place sometimes so much so my head's spinning in the winter so. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know but that, that's part of the fun of the whole deal and, yep. and uh b before that all happens uh uh it's almost uh bow hunting season uh james and i have a uh a, a trip planned over to the badlands uh bow hunting whitetails and uh he actually was lucky enough to get a mule deer tag over there as well. So in South Dakota, be, 
Uh, we're going to go in North. North Dakota. Okay. okay. Yep. Nice. Yep. yep. So excited about that. Excited about bow hunting here in Wisconsin. That's, that's something that I, I definitely um, do annually where uh, the months of September and October, it's a, a lot of, a lot of bow hunting, even in the beginning of November. And then after that, it's full-time fishing for <laughs> yeah. months and months, you know? So, well, it sounds like yeah. you got your priorities figured out. <laughs> I do. It's yeah. all about the hunting and fishing. That's right. Yep. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, well, PJ, we really, uh, we really appreciate uh, that conversation. Uh, I mean, it's, it's stuff that uh, Matt and I are, you know, just don't know anything about, and uh, we appreciate, you know, how honest you are with us. And uh, no, mm-hmm. uh, you're definitely a, a down-to-earth, awesome dude. And uh, hopefully, we can get you on the show again, uh, maybe this winter or something. Yeah, that sounds great. I, I really appreciate you guys having me. Um, like I told you when we started this, I, I love talking fishing, you know, and I, I I can talk to the cows come home. So <laughs> hopefully I didn't bore you with any of that. No, not, at not at all. Great not time. at all. Yep. <laughs> nope. So awesome, man. Well, uh, we appreciate it. Yeah, thanks a lot. Okay. Yep, no problem, guys. I, I hope you have a great night and uh, have a great rest of the season here before ice up comes. You bet. You too. See ya. All right. Later. And that was PJ Vick uh, from In-Depth Outdoors and just an all-around excellent stick uh, out there in Watertown, Wisconsin. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's just pretty cool that they have a rock river that runs through their town just like we have a rock river, and it sounds like they're pretty similar. I'm I'm telling you, we're going we're gonna to challenge PJ Vick to a, to a fish-off, and uh, PJ is going to get one of his buddies – and it's going to be me and you, and we're going to go down to the river, and we're going to catch a big carp and a catfish and a and a smallmouth, and uh, I don't know. It's going to be, you know, who gets to claim the rock, the real Rock River? Well, the real <laughs> Rock River. I don't Please know. Stand up. I don't know if we've got any business challenging a guy I like PJ. I was going to say, I, looking through his photos, man, I don't know. We are not going to do <laughs> Iowa proud. You're a lot more confident than I am. So, <laughs> okay, PJ, maybe we'll just bow out and let you have it, just you know, to to you we'll know exchange similar pictures. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, maybe maybe when PJ sends us a picture, we'll crop his head off and we'll put let's our put head ours. on. We're pretty good at that. Yeah. So, yep. Now as it's very fun listening to him and just hearing all that about the Great Lakes out there and just all the different species that he targets like he does. Right. He's very, very knowledgeable guy. And, uh, he, uh, you know, I, I don't really feel like there was any secrets with him. You know, he was, he was going to tell us, and that dude's just a straight fisher. And it just seems that, you know, guys like him that are con- are consistently on the big fish, they do what it takes as far as, like, they'll go – when they know the fish are going to be going, you know, like he said, two, three in the morning, he got home last night right. or whatever it was. I mean, they're out there doing it. It's not just, you know, oh, this certain time they're going out and that's it. Oh, it's getting dark. We better go back in. I mean, they're out there when nobody else is out there. I mean, weather wise, time of day, whatever, whatever it takes to get those big fish. Yep. And I'm sleeping. So that's <laughs> why I don't catch big fish. <laughs> I'm right there with you sometimes. When, when when he says something like, there are days when we catch 120, 150 fish in a day slash night, holy moly. Right. That's wild. When, when I mean, when he's talking about nights when he catches two over 32. Yeah. I mean, that is, when you're talking, that is incredible. Yeah, 15 fish over 
28, 27 or whatever. He's like, golly. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely a different body of water than what me and you are, are used to. That's that's not Spirit Lake. That's not Okaboji. <laughs> um, yeah, hopefully he doesn't uh, he doesn't join uh, the the Midwest Angler Walleye Classic because if he does, uh, he's going to be walking he, away with it. He definitely should though jump in there because. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He should. He he will he will walk away with the money. But uh, no, for for those of you guys that haven't signed up yet, uh, I think this is the last full week uh, before it. I think it, what does it start this Saturday, the twenty eighth. Yep. Yep. So uh, if you guys are listening to this, uh, do it. Do it. Get signed up. Uh, um, yeah. I I I don't know how many people are signed up right now. Like only eighteen or something like that. So, so your odds are high. Odds are high, but we need some more people signed up. Uh, um, yeah. That is what it is. So get signed up. Uh, we've actually got a n- whole nother prize that just got donated. A hundred dollar gift card to Shields for the biggest stringer, somebody 14 years and younger. And that's from our buddy, Sean Bosler, uh, Bosler concrete over in Elvord, Iowa. So if you're here in the tri-state area and you need any concrete work done, Sean's the guy, he's got the sickest flow in the, in the cement <laughs> game, just a nasty, awesome mullet. And, uh, no, yeah. Sean, Sean, I mean, honestly, I, I think he might be, I'm, uh, he might be the best cement guy around. I mean, he, he started over there with the Van and Bosch's and they, uh, they've got the name for being the best and Sean started with them. Now he's off on his own and, uh, Basler concrete, Alvord, Iowa, the big city of Alvord, Iowa, That's show him some cool. love, give him a call, say, Hey, I want a patio. Hey, I need a new driveway. And I heard about you on a podcast. That's right. The Midwest Angler podcast. That's right. The best podcast. Everyone knows that. So, uh, no, that's a a whole other deal. So, if you've got a kid 14 years and younger and he can catch them, get them signed up. $100 gift card. When you get paid to fish, there's nothing better than that. You can call yourself a professional. That's right. That's (laughs) right. So, uh, no, there was a Bassmaster tournament this week. That, that there was. There was. Up Out there on St. Clair. St. Clair. And uh, Bill Weidler coming away with the win. Yeah. Pretty incredible. Really, yeah. It was, it was kind of fun to watch. I mean, those smallmouth tournaments are just a blast to, to watch. Uh, there are some largemouth out there that some people were catching, but, you know, out there the smallmouth is king. And John Cox was kind of getting after him the whole week. You know, the whole tournament he led all the way up until championship Sunday. So I really thought John Cox was going to walk away with the win, with the win, just for the sole reason that everyone else was kind of out on the main lake. Right. And John was in the river. And I really kind of felt like everyone else was going to beat up those fish and come day four, you know, the end of day three, that, you know, it was going to kind of drop off for all those guys. And he was the only one in there getting after these fish and and that he was going to really walk away with the win and uh it wasn't the case i i I kind of felt bad for the dude you know like he brings his family up there for the way in his wife and his kids and whatever and weighs in and i don't know pound half pound short whatever and that probably had one of his he had a smallest day of the tournament yep whereas there's a lot a lot of the guys in the top 10 had their biggest day of the tournament yep uh bill weidler something pretty neat about him uh he had finished sixth one time on an elite series event, but otherwise I think his best finish ever was like 22nd and, you know, some 30th, some 40th, some, you know, 50th, whatever. He doubled 
his all-time career earnings right. in one tournament. Uh, it's crazy how you just if you can just have one good tournament, I yep. mean, it can. Yeah, you got a hundred thousand dollars, and uh, I think I, I checked uh, beforehand, and now he's up to like two hundred and four thousand dollars career earnings. So yeah. just like that, I mean, golly, can you imagine what it'd be like to just hoist that blue trophy? Oh. You know, I mean, because you know, for somebody like him, there's got to be days where you kind of wonder, you know. Well, there's is, a lot of those this, guys on the tour that, yep, you know. Is this for me? And, and you know, it might be that now that he catches one or, or wins one, he might right. win two. He might right. win three. You know what I mean? Right. He, do, he, he doesn't have to prove anything to anybody yeah. anymore. You know, Mom- I've proven it. Look at the trophy case. Momentum's a crazy thing in this sport. Oh, for I mean, sure. I was thinking about that the other day. There's a lot of guys that uh, had great years last year. This year, they've really been struggling. Isn't I that mean, crazy? It's I just mean, like. Zaldane's a non-factor this year. I know. he Last year, he had how many seconds? He was up there in the top 10 all the time. Now, all of a sudden, he just, you know, maybe it's a different body of water that they're at. I mean, sometimes you can just get in that funk, and it's it's hard to come out of it. I mean, they're catching fish, but just not the right fish. Jamie Hartman, I think on day one, only caught two fish. Right. I mean. And he was. He was battling for angler of the year. Right. You know, I mean. Uh, it, it's just crazy. And, and, you know, even Jamie Hartman says, I'm going to go out tomorrow and do the exact same thing that I did today because that's all I really know how to do here. And yeah. the next day he goes out and freaking smacks a monster sack. Right. You know, I mean, it just, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's crazy. It's fishing. At the end of the day, it's fishing. Uh, you know, these guys are pros, but at the end of the day, they have days just like all of us. Yep. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, where, where it just doesn't work out for them. You know, Seth Fighter last year. I mean, he, he ran away with that tournament, the yep. Angler of the Year tournament up on St. Clair. I mean, he was calling his buddies to come over <laughs> and fish the same areas, you know, the same area that he was doing the same thing he was because he was that confident that there was no one that could catch him and he wanted them all to fish better. What did he get, 21st? Something like that, yeah. I mean, he just, you know, this this wasn't wasn't his this time. Right. So, I mean, it, it's really kind of crazy. It was a different time of the year, of course, too. But, yeah, I don't know. Matt, we went a long time with PJ. Uh, I guess good news stories. Good news. I'm going to give a shout out to Harry Ladner Jr. God, dude, his, that and his daughter freaking is, is wins he, every damn tournament up there. There, I mean, it's pretty cool to see a guy out there fishing tournaments, these bass tournaments with the, with their daughter. Yeah, you know, their young daughter. I mean, so I think he's doing it like with maybe two or three of his his kids yeah yeah so i mean it's just it's just really cool to see him getting his kids out there involved in these tournaments and them having success with it too you know usually people always think like these tournaments they think of a couple of you know guys and their buddy you know guy and their buddies out there and they're getting all serious and stuff out there and they're going out there and they seem to be consistently up there for contention or winning the thing so that's pretty cool that's to me you know good job harry and keep it up yeah harry's the uh south dakota bass federation president uh i mean just that dude eats sleeps and breathes tournament bass fishing Uh, i think harry's originally from new jersey or something something like like that that, and and moved out here to south dakota because i believe that's where his wife's from but no, he's definitely a guy that we should get on sometime because I've talked to on the phone with Harry before, and I mean, there's a lot of bass knowledge there, and and uh, yeah, way cool dude, and hats off to him. Congratulations. Uh, my good news story, uh, I had no clue about it until about two minutes before we recorded this episode. But uh, have you ever heard the name Billy Atkinson? 
Yes. Billy Atkinson is 16 years old, and he was just fishing as a pro on Sault Ste. Marie in the NWT and got 15th place at 16 years old. That's crazy. This dude can freaking catch him. Yeah. I mean, when you think about a kid that young, I mean, the confidence. I mean, you know, when you're lining up against Tommy Chemos and Corey Sprangle and John Hoyer and you're 16 years old and, I mean. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, last year I couldn't drive my boat to the launch, and this year I'm going to be competing against you. I'm and, worried. I'm worried about 16 year olds running me over in the school parking lot, and this right. kid's out there on the big bodies of water fishing tournaments. Right, and he got 15th. Uh, I don't know. I I just I, I I didn't know that about about that. Nope. 18th place. 18th, 18th. place. My well, bad. Either way, 15th, 18th. When you're you're fish, finishing in the top 20, that's good enough for the guys. I. I yeah, uh, it's just cool seeing these young ones, the next generation of tournament fishermen and just fishermen and anglers all around just coming up. So Yeah, yep. So, uh, yeah, I guess that's what we got. With that. With that, unless you got something else. Nope, that's it. We're going to call an end to episode 87. It felt good to have a guest again. It really God, did. Dang it. So, uh, yep, that's episode 87. We will see you next week on episode 88. Later. <laughs>